Welcome back to another episode of the Royals Farm Report podcast. My name is Joel Penfield. As always, joined by Alex Duvall. How you doing, man? Joel, I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. And we're just going to go right on into it. We are joined by two members of the Kansas City Royals. First, Richard Lovelady joining us from Satellite Camp. How are you doing, man? Good, man. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Thank you for joining us. I know it's an early morning at the ballpark, but I appreciate the time. And then we're also joined by Nick Heath, second time here on the podcast, rehabbing on the injured list right now. Uh, hopefully, we're going to see him back in KC here soon. How are you doing, man? I'm good. How are you guys? Thank you for having me, first of all. But how are you guys? Oh, we're doing pretty well. Thank you. Just I know you're kind of rehabbing, still trying to get back on the mend here so we can see you back in, in a Royals uniform here soon. So yes, I appreciate you taking the time here. I'm sure just you know a little bit of downtime from all the rehab, I'm sure, is a little bit of a, mm-hmm. a break for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so I guess we'll start with Richard. You're at the satellite camp right now. Uh, you know, it's an early morning for you, but how have things been there? What's it been like? You know, obviously don't divulge too many secrets if you don't have to, but just what's that yeah. experience kind of been like? It was almost like an extended spring training in a way, it seems like. Uh, it's, I mean, basically what you said, I mean, it's, it's right on point with it. It's almost like extended, extended spring training in a way uh, where, you know, you'll come to the ballpark and get around four to five hours here and, uh You'll play anywhere between three to six innings, depending on, you know, who's got a throw that day and who doesn't. Um, but I mean, like I said, it's just literally like, it's almost like we're still in that, that extended spring training that we had in KC. It's just keeping guys that, you know, need innings keep going, you know, just in case, you know, because this whole situation the way it is, everybody's just a phone call away. So the more work we can get in over here, you know, the better we are when we get called up. So. Richard, you played ball at uh, Kennesaw State, correct? I did. Does this does this remind you at all of what fall practices kind of felt like in college, where you, you know, obviously when you're in school, you got to go to classes in the morning or not, but then you show up to the ballpark in the afternoon, practice, get a few uh, scrimmage innings in, let the pitchers get some uh, some live abs, lift when you're done, and go back home. Right. It basically, takes you back to the way everything was in college, you know. Uh, so a lot of this stuff is kind of normal to me in a way. Uh, but you know, just like I said, it's just, this is almost like just, um, it's a close site just to allow us to continue to get all our work done that we need to get done, you know? How's, how's the approach been? You're facing the same hitters all the time. So it's, you know, the same guys that are on your team. You can, I, I can imagine you can get in a groove in the way you approach them and the, in the way that you, you know, sequence your pitches against them. So has it has it been difficult finding a line between getting in the work that you need to get in? Let's 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 say that for today, right? You need you feel like you need to work on fastball command, and Nick Prado steps in the box, and you want to throw Nick. You know, typically you throw Nick Prado three sliders. Uh, today you're gonna work on your fastball command. So how how's it been trying to balance? You know, finding success against these hitters versus working on stuff you need to be working on and facing the same hitters over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, so that's the, that's kind of the tough thing, honestly. Like, obviously they're, all these guys are getting to see you more and more. Um, obviously you see them for a little bit during spring training in Arizona, but like not as much as you're seeing people here. Um, but the, the whole thing of what it is, the hitters are getting, I guess, to a point where it's like, they're getting like a little too comfortable, not really too comfortable, but it's like they don't even let you get deep in counts. You know, they've seen you long enough to know what they need to, at what part of the account or the, uh, you know, the bat, 
they, they need to um, attack you with. So <clears throat> a lot of guys are, you know, first pitch fastball, they're ambushing. They're not even like, you know, it's not it's not typical stuff that you usually see out of guys. But once you've seen them, you know, six, seven times already, guys know they need to, they need, you know, they need to jump on you early. They don't need to sit and wait to the end of the count because it's not going to be good for them. So, um, you know, in that aspect, you know, there's obviously you can't just be going over there grooving a fastball first pitch and none of that. <laughs> You can't do any of that stuff, especially here. The ball flies. Um, so I think there's like two or three home runs every day. So it's sickening. But, you know, that's the way it is. Sure. And, Nick, the opposite is kind of true for you guys. I mean, seeing the same pitchers every day gives you a leg up. You know what stuff's coming. You kind of maybe start to get in a groove of what to expect. But at the same time, if, you know, if you've been facing Richard for the last four days in a row, then if he gets you on the same slider low and away every single time, if he, if he catches on something to you, that's a – you know, a challenge you got to figure out how to overcome. You don't have the same, you know, time. Like like in the MLB, you might face Trevor Bauer on Wednesday and not have to face him again for another three months. Like you've got time to make those adjustments. You don't really have that time anymore. What's that been like as a, as a hitter facing the same pitchers every day? What's that? What's the biggest challenge you've seen so far in that regard? Seeing the same guys every day is kind of tough, man. Um I know some of the guys down there, like Kowar, uh, when I was down there, um, before uh, I came up here, uh, Boobich, Lynch, those guys, man, I, I might have seen them, you know, five or six times, but at the same time, I mean, you got some guys who are a little bit different, you know what I mean, when it comes to the, the way they pitch. So they might get you one way one time and then working on getting you a different way the next. So, um, seeing them over and over again, I definitely helped me out. Like further on, I know what pitches they were probably going to throw in certain counts, what pitches they felt comfortable with throwing early and throwing late. So um, it it has its ups, but it has its downs as well because I know they're up there and they're like, okay, cool, he's going to swing at this at this you know two one fastball every time. Maybe I mix in a two one changeup instead, see if I can get him off, see if I can get him off balance or something like that. So uh, it's got its ups and downs. It's got the cat, the, you know, the cats and mouse stuff going on. So. Um, but it's always fun. You know what I mean? Everybody talks a lot of trash when I was down there. I know I'll be back before I finish up my rehab and going there and seeing some pitching with them. So, um, but guys talk a lot of trash and then eventually, you know, it's, it's, it's competition either way you slice it. You get up there and you start seeing guys and now you can't let this guy get you out two or three times in a row and you got to get some in there. So it's still competitive, but, um, I mean, there's definitely, you know, there's definitely the days you have where you're out there, you're like, all right, cool, I'm not going to miss anything this guy throws. And there's other days that he switches some stuff up on you. And next thing you know, I mean, you're up there hitting blind. So it, it all kind of depends on who's up there. So it, it's really cool to see the, the satellite camp, seeing the group of guys that's there. It's a lot of guys that Alex and I have talked about and others at the site for, you know, for a long time now. Uh, you know, you know, Bobby Wood Jr. mostly, but you know, Daniel Lynch and Coar and Isbell and some other guys that are, you know, top of the system guys that are known commodities, at least to Kansas City fans. What's it been like to work around those guys and how excited does it make you for the future of the organization? Because the, these dudes are going to be a part of what, and along with you guys, is part of this next wave that's going to kind of help us get on the other side of this rebuild and help, uh, you know, hopefully bring a championship to Kansas City. You want to love? You want me to answer yeah, Lynch is a freak. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> so is Isbell. I man, they're all really good. Bobby, each and every one of those guys, they're young, you know what I mean? You see them out of high school, you see them out of college, and you know, we kinda understand the process of going through the minor leagues and the development and you know, sometimes things take, you know, a while to get 
a while to get a hold of, you know what I mean? Especially offensively and defensively, they got you working on different things. So when it all comes together, um, you know, you kind of, you kind of appreciate the, you know, the entire part of going through the minor leagues and getting all your work in and the bus travels and the extra work and stuff like that. But then you get around these younger guys who are fresh out of high school and fresh out of college two years ago, three years ago. And you're seeing how, how, how you progress through these last couple of years because we were drafted at 16 and now you got guys from 17 and 18, you know, in the same kind of little bubble year. And you're like, dude, these guys are really good. You know what I mean? Some of these guys are making, you know, adjustments on the fly, uh, a lot quicker than I did personally. I know that I can't speak for love lately, but some of these guys are making adjustments on the fly and you kind of just look and you're like, man, our organization is about to be in really, really good hands. Got a lot of young guys who won a couple championships back to back, who won a couple championships together in the minor leagues. And I know a lot of people, you know, sometimes say, you know, minor league championships don't count, but at least it shows you what kind of team you got. You know what I mean? You got a bunch of guys who play together. They know how to win. And uh, they said that was the theme when we won the World Series, when we went to the World Series in 14 and we won it in 15. They had a bunch of young guys, a bunch of guys who played together for a while and they understood, you know, you know, the chemistry that they had as a team and they understood how to win and they understood what it took. So seeing that right below us, seeing that being that next big wave of guys coming through, was definitely a, it's definitely easy to understand that, you know, we're going to be able to turn this organization around. Sure. And, and I, you, you talked about hitting, you know, going through their lumps in the minors and, and making the adjustments and going through it. You know, Nick, I, the Royals like to, to, to brag about their, um, their, not their alliance, but their, um, emphasis on leadership and clubhouse management and, and putting great people in the clubhouse around each other. You know, if, if a younger guy was was going through it, making adjustments, I was like, I don't have your page full up, but you have you played at every level of the Royal system, haven't you? Uh, yes, I have. I just didn't play. Uh, I just didn't play in Lexington. I was there for like three days, and then uh, I hurt my leg, and then instead of going back to Lexington, I went up to Wilmington at the All Star break. Some of the outfielders got sent up double it. Gotcha. So you'd be a great example of some of the younger guys of, of going through it, hitting your levels, making the adjustments, getting to the next level, making the adjustment and just, you know, methodically working your way through the system. Have you, have you gotten to talk with any of these younger guys about the, the system, the process, so to speak, of, of making sure they make the adjustments that they need to make and the importance of, you know, how that's going to play out for them when they do get their shot at the big leagues like you got recently? Man, the, the, the really crazy thing about it is sometimes I feel like I don't even have to talk to them about those things. You know what I mean? Like it's stuff that they're doing on the fly that when I was, when I was in high, when I was in, you know, rookie ball, low A, I was going to a coach to ask about. And they're coming to me talking about, you know, adjustments that they got to make on the fly from at bat to at bat. And it took me a little bit longer to learn that and to trust that process in terms of like, okay, I got to change this you know, for this next debat or for this next pitch. So it took me a little longer to trust myself versus these guys trusting their abilities. And then you come out here and you see and it pays off for them. And you're like, all right, cool. These guys got definitely have a grasp of the stuff that they need to do coming up. So um, it's, it's really, really nice knowing a bunch of younger guys are really passionate about where they're at and where they want to be. And you definitely see that with the group that we had down at the satellite camp. And, and even in the pitchers, even on the pitcher side, um, yeah, I talk to some of those guys and I hear them talking about things that they want to work on and things that they're trying to command better and so on and so forth. And you definitely see that just because guys are down there doesn't mean that they don't want to get their work in. You know what I mean? And I understand uh, when I didn't make the 30 player, when I didn't make the 30 man roster and I had to go back down there for a little bit, 
I was kind of upset, you know what I mean? And I think rightfully so. But got down there and saw guys, like, you know, still having fun, still trying to get after it. And there's definitely always a thought I could be here or I could be in the big leagues. So, you, you know, you kind of understand that, like, I kind of don't want to be here feeling. But these guys know they have to and these guys know they got to get their work in and they're they know the way they're going about it is going to pay off for them in the end. So it's definitely nice to watch that. It's definitely nice to see that in those younger guys. For sure. And Richard, kind of to the op- to the opposite there of Nick, is you flew through the minor leagues, um, didn't really ever hit a road bump until you got to Kansas City. And, you know, I know we mentioned that you, you had some stuff you were working on, but, like, what's that, you know, not to blow it up your ass too much, but the yeah. – <laughs> for the first time in your professional career, you kind of hit a you know a bump where you're working through some stuff and trying to make your way back to Kansas City. So, you know, how's that going for you? Um, and and kind of like where are you at on that? Um, I guess that 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 re you know hitting that development curve. Right. For yeah. No. Um. Like my yeah, my first time in my first time in Kansas City. Um. Obviously, you know, you're getting adjusted to the league stuff like that first time. Then the second time, you start. Uh, seeing things as far as your pitches being, you know, not the way they used to be, not as sharp as they used to be. Uh, and obviously putting an emphasis on the, you know, the spring training to really come in and then hone in and make sure that those things that kept you from, you know, being successful up there were going to be basically in check. And, uh, that's basically the only mindset I really had coming into spring training was, you know, to break with the, the 30 man roster and to make sure that I had my stuff ready to go, uh, from day one, you know. Even even after this, this Corona stuff popped up, I even kept telling myself, you know, because we kept throwing bullpens and and working out, and, and guys had gotten that, you know, into that kind of pattern of, gosh, man, how's it's kind of hard to take this bullpen serious, you know, when there's no coaches, nobody's here, we're doing like, you know, a sort of like a Corona camp sort of thing, and you know, it's kind of hard to to stay motivated uh, with it, but you had to, you know, you had to, you had to kind of tell yourself, you know, like, hey, they can call you know, three days from now saying, Hey, we got a deal done. Cause you know how it was. I mean, the deal was up, up for grabs all, you know, all week. Nobody knew this. Nobody knew that we could have accepted this and we could have accepted that sort of thing. Uh, so, you know, mentally, you know, at that, that point, you literally had to just keep yourself in check and keep yourself ready, uh, you know, for anything to, to really happen on, on the spur of the moment. So, uh, but no, but then this year it was like, um, you know, I had like, I had some sort of, I don't know who I've been watching, but I picked up some kind of weird mechanic watching somebody. But, um, you know, I had to figure out some cutting issues. But, you know, with that stuff basically being taken care of now, it's just about, you know, getting back on the right track and just basically dominating again. So, but like you said, you know, I really didn't really have much of a bump. And then basically just got hit by a truck. So that was, that was kind of cool. Well, you wouldn't be the first person to get hit by a truck upon upon arrival to the big leagues. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, honestly, I'm just happy that I, I was just honestly, I was thrilled that my first debut was 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 bueno. Okay. <laughs> the first one is always a good one to get out of the way. Yeah, I was I was actually there for that debut. I was I remember um, they you had just gotten <clears throat> called up, and I was I was headed to the game anyway, and. uh I can't remember if it was uh, – I think it was your mom reached out on Twitter and said something to the effect of, we're not going to make it to the game. If he gets in the game, I need a video. 
So I had to, <laughs> had to take a video from behind home plate and send it to your mom real quick. But uh, there you, go. you, know, you got your we're, we're talking about adjustments and stuff. You got your mask on right now because you're at the complex. You know, how has do you feel like the, the the procedures that they've put in place for the quarantine and for making sure you guys are safe from the coronavirus? Do you feel like that's obviously it's been it's inconvenienced everybody. But like, you know, it, in terms of your ability to get your work in, you know, do you feel like it's impeding on you at all? Or do you feel like, man, this is just another thing that we got to go through and this isn't even a problem anymore? But honestly, if you think that a little mask is going to keep you from doing your job, then you're in the wrong job. That's just that's just flat out what it is. Like if this mask has nothing to do with with you, you know, competing and, and doing what you have to do. This mask is for our safety, and you know, if you don't take this serious, then you shouldn't be here. That's just the way it is, man. And um, all our guys are taking it serious because we want to be here. We want to get to that next level. And we don't want we don't want something like you know not wearing a mask or not washing your hands be the reason why you're sitting at home for a couple of weeks trying to try to get clear sort of thing, you know? So this, this mask is, is, it's as serious as it gets, you know, uh, we do our routine check-ins every single day, you know, temperature checks, you know, little, um, little surveys every morning. Uh, so I mean, we're doing, we're doing basically the most to, uh, to ensure the safety of basically everyone. So, um, I think we're doing a pretty, pretty swell job at it. Um, we're, I mean, I don't think we've had, I think maybe three or four. I mean, besides when the season started up, I don't think we've had but one test come positive so far. Yeah, so I think uh, we're doing. You guys have done a really good job, job of it since the season started, and you don't have yeah. to, Richard and Nick both. You don't have to go in, into this too much if you don't want to or if you're not allowed to. Um, but you know, with the situation in Cleveland, where a couple guys break quarantine in Miami, they break quarantine. Now then, they get an outbreak. Same thing in St. Louis, they break quarantine, get an outbreak. You know, it sounds like you guys, and, and you know, it sounds like most major league baseball teams are doing the most they can do to keep their teammates safe. But in, especially in the case in Cleveland, man, with you know, guy guy like Carlos Carrasco, who's high risk, he's had cancer, to break quarantine like that, like you know, it, it sounds like the veteran guys stepped up and said, "Look, if if you don't get rid of these guys, Oliver Perez said, I'm not playing." So, um, you know, it sounds like a lot of people, the majority of the people, are taking it serious, and it's just been a couple of minor incidents that have really put a kind of a bad ring media ring around major league baseball for a couple of different outbreaks. I think it, I think it's, it is kind of tough, especially in that situation. Um, you got some older guys, you got some guys, you know, who either go out there and dominate and ended up, you know, making the decision that was going to be very beneficial to their team, uh, which is unfortunate, but you know, people make mistakes. Um, I, under, I, I understand those guys probably, you know, regret the decisions that they made, but, um, you know, we live and we learn and we move on from it. And, you know, obviously I hope those guys got the opportunity to apologize. I hope they got the opportunity to sit down with their teammates and, you know, discuss it, you know, as they should. Um, when we started here, they put a really, really big emphasis on being smart, staying in the house if you can. Like, if you're going somewhere to pick, if you're going somewhere to eat, walk in and get your food, go back home. They're real big on sanitizing, sanitize out. So they always got some next to every door we walk through, basically. Uh, so they're definitely on top of it, doing everything they can to, uh, to make sure that, you know, that we're not putting anybody at risk. We're not putting our team at risk and we're not, you know, slowing down the progress of baseball. So we'll, we'll stick with one of the other big storylines in baseball over the last couple of days. And it's the Fernando Tatis grand slam on the 3-0 swing. It, I mean, I've, I'm, I've 
I feel like we're probably all in agreement here that there's no reason why there should be any sort of like, you know, it shouldn't have been a big deal at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard, from a pitcher's perspective, you, you know, a guy takes a 3-0 hack on you like that up seven, you know, are you more mad that you missed your spot or the fact that he swung in the first? Like, I feel like you're probably on a newer school guy in that regard. But I'm just curious your thoughts on that from a pitcher's perspective. Hey, is Chorizo hot? Do what? No, Chorizo is like mild. A little All spicy. Right, cool. Not bad. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get a burrito. <laughs> that's no, saying you know, it, that's by the way. I'm not, I'm not clipping that. <laughs> Honestly, you know, it's funny because, because Prado took a, a 3-0 swing on me the other day and hit a single and came to me in the dugout and like, is that kind of trash? I swung 3-0 and I'm like, no, I'm the one who left the damn pitch there. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's not your fault at all. See, it, am I going to try to tell somebody that it's up 15 runs? Hey, everybody start button. Like we're playing our brother. You know, we just want to get to the bottom half of the inning in, in this game already. No, we're not going to do that because that's not how the game rolls. That's not the way it is. You got to give other men a chance to swing the bat every single time. And, you know, that's just the way that you can't just you just give away outs. I'm all for the swing. If you make a bad pitch, it's on you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think the, you know, we probably all grew up in the game from people that were, you know, obviously older and kind of grew up from people that were that more old school mentality of, you know, you respect the game, you respect your opponent, don't have to score all that. And so I think that's where a lot of this stems from, not necessarily anything else. So, and I mean, yeah, when I was playing baseball, you know, when I grew up, it was, hey, we're not going to, you know, once we're up, you know, eight or 10 runs, we're, we're not going to steal. Let's just get through the game. And that was because we were 11. But you guys, like, it's grown men making millions of dollars playing baseball. Like, at some right. point, get, you know, and that's, you know, and every run counts. I heard, I think it was uh, Trevor Bauer's agent, uh, Rachel Lugo, was talking about, like, every at-bat, every home run, every RBI gets bring up, brought up in arbitration and brings up in contract yeah. negotiations. Go get your money. <laughs> Don't let anybody take that away from you. Go and do whatever you can to pad as many stats as you can. And at, at the end of the day, that's what matters the most, right? So a hundred percent. You see in other sports, when people get beat and they get beat bad, they're not complaining about getting beat bad. They should have just played better. And it just yeah. it doesn't make a lot of sense, man. Unwritten rules are I I can understand some of it. I really can. Just as just in terms of like respecting your team, respecting the game of baseball, but swinging three up. <laughs> shouldn't have got the three yo. You shouldn't put it where you put it. I mean, that's a simple, that's I. You know what I mean? That's like mm-hmm. that's like being down o two, and the pitcher throwing you a strike and being like, you should have thrown me a ball there. You know what I mean? It don't make no sense. Oh, I'm no, sorry. it was like uh, it was like uh, the Correa Joe Kelly thing where uh, Correa was like, throw me a fastball. And I was like, okay, you were you were chasing sliders the whole damn at bat. I'm not gonna. Why would I do that? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I just. Man, I think in terms of the in the uh, let the kids play movement, I think it's. I mean, baseball is shifting. You know what I mean? You gotta. We're coming up in the age of social media. We're coming up in the age of where you know, having a little more swag, having a little more flow when you play is kind of the thing, and that's what we knew when we were growing up. But like, the the people that are kind of bashing us right now for going out there and having fun and playing the game the way we want to play the game, it was a little bit different back then for them. You know what I mean? We, they were just. They were dirtbags. They got after it. And we do the same thing, but we like to do it with a little bit of flair. So the way we play the game and the way we go out there and enjoy ourselves while we're, I mean, essentially at work, 
I, you, you you can't be upset with somebody for that. You know what I mean? If somebody's going out there and having a good time and they're showing, you know, how much passion they have for the game of baseball, but they're doing it the right way. They're not, they're not taunting anybody. They're not, you know what I mean? Going out there and trying to attack people or nothing like that. I mean, why can you be, how can you be upset with them? You know, and that stuff is fun to watch, especially if you're trying to grow baseball. If I'm trying to grow baseball, I want everybody to watch Fernando Tatis play baseball. You know what I mean? He, I mean, he's got that, like, just that it factor of like face of baseball type thing. Like, we know Mike Trout's the best player in the game. Like, that's not disputed. You know, that shouldn't be disputed. But you have a guy exactly. like Fernando Tatis, Juan Soto, you know, Javi Baez, those dudes that just play with that flair, that that's what gets, that's what's going to get anybody to watch the game. You and that's the I mean? dudes that's you exactly should be getting out there and you need to be tweeting about, not bashing them for a 3-0 hack, which, by the way, he hit a grand slam. It's not like it was a guaranteed hit. He very well could have swung and missed that and everyone would have laughed at it. But he instead, he flicked, instead he took a down-and-away fastball and flicked it the other way on a line and hit it midway up the first deck. I saw something, I saw something yesterday that said the Padres – Either one, no, the Padres came back from a seven run deficit last season. Yeah. And then the Rangers, the Rangers ended up giving up like a seven run deficit or something. I don't know. Somewhere, somewhere. The, somewhere the A's or the Giants did it like three days prior. They were up seven to, they were up seven to one or something in the seven to two in the ninth, ended up losing nine seven. See what I mean? So everybody knows how baseball goes, man. It's, it, it, it could be one quick inning away from that oh, game yeah. being totally different. So, man, let that man swing. <laughs> let everybody like swing. Lot, yeah. <laughs> Part of this, too, is there is – hot, boy. <laughs> okay. This what what happens if you ain't cooling this shit down, man? Watch <laughs> out. Nick, we gotta if, we gotta go back to your comment about Lynch. Can you can you expound on the comment that you made? I think you said Lynch is a freak. We gotta oh no, that was gotta know about that was Love Lady. Yeah, oh that was Love Lady. Okay, yeah, somebody's gotta tell us about that. He just throws from behind your head. He's just six inches taller than Love Lady. <laughs> <was just> <laughs> this guy is an absolute freak. He lived like ninety two, ninety three, and then just ramp up eight ninety eight out of nowhere. And it's just like where, where the hell was that at? Nick, have you had the head off? Yeah, I have uh, a couple times. I think I think I probably punched out two or three times to like the four or five. <laughs> That's how um, I might have. I think I might have got a hit, but it was questionable. Uh, no, nah, man. Like like I said, you know, those the younger guys are really really good. Lange, Rubich, Singer, Kowar. You get a you get a, a bunch of those guys all at the same time. It kind of sucked. It kind of sucked going up there to hit in a satellite camp for a little bit until you got your timing down and you kind of figured out how guys were going to, you know, pitch you and stuff like that. It was kind of tough. We had a lot of lefties up there, too, that were all throwing noise. I hate lefties, first first and foremost. But, <laughs> I mean, you had a lot of them out there that were throwing hard, and then, you know, you get righties and co-wash change up to disgusting. And, man, you can say so many different positive things about these guys, but knowing, I think knowing that, having to see them on a constant basis, I think definitely helps when you have to face other people because you kind of get some of the best in minor league baseball. You know what I mean? Kind of getting some of the, you know, the really, really good arms at their respective levels in minor league baseball. And then, you know, you translate that to seeing other people and you're like, man, I didn't see all the nasty stuff they had to throw for however long. So I think I'm at least somewhat prepared for what I'm about to submit. 
Richard, you might be better suited to answer this question, but who's the most impressive player you've seen in camp so far? One guy, you know, George Brett used to talk about he would have retired five years earlier, but he showed up to the ballpark every day to watch Bo Jackson play. So one guy at the ballpark every day, you know when you show up, is going to put on a show. Who's been the most impressive so far? I mean, obviously it's easy to to say, like, you know, Bobby Webb, you know, how – just unbelievable. He's had a extended from our extended spring training to just translating over to here to continue to play game really hard. Um, it's actually a treat to to get to, to watch these guys play every day. I mean, it really is. Um, kind of feel bad for you guys not being able to experience it, but um, I would honestly from I would say someone who has just like massively improved. I would. I never okay. So I never faced MJ ever. MJ's a tough at bat. He, he loves, loves opposite field. Loves it. But, um, some guy that got two hits off me the other day. Uh, Prado. Prado's been really impressive. To be honest with you. That's good to hear, especially, yeah. you know, he's, he, I think everybody pretty well acknowledged he struggled a little bit last year, but, then you get some guys off that team that went straight from a ball like Bubich. He went straight from Wilmington up to the major leagues. Can either of you imagine having to make that jump? And I mean, it's a weird year. You've got some circumstances that are a little different. <coughs> Maybe we'll have, probably have to go through again, hopefully. But, um, you know, what that jump from a ball to major leagues, I think people, they hear about it and they, 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 they acknowledge, okay, I get it. He made a jump from a ball to major league. But like, is there any way you guys can expand on that? Like, Richard and Nick both from a from a different different viewpoints, different sides of the plate. What like how how difficult is that? Like help help our listeners understand like the ridiculousness of what Bubich did from A ball to being pretty successful in Kansas City so far. I think first and foremost, the jump includes like man, you gotta skip you gotta skip the opportunity in double A and triple A to see different arms, to, you know, gather your routine, to get everything down packed that you need down packed to be ready to play against the best in baseball. But then you get up to the big league level and I'm sure and I know in the minor leagues we game plan a little bit. We got our scouting reports. You kinda have an idea what you gotta do to certain people. But in the big leagues, man, they got everything. Everything. A whole list of stuff you do well, a whole list of stuff you do bad. So if you do mediocre, where they can throw you and they know you'll swing and miss or, you know, so many different things. So I think that the the big thing for him and his jump and why it's so amazing to see him do well is because when you come from A-ball, you kind of got a lot – you got a lot of raw talent that's not very honed in. You know what I mean? You get a lot of guys who are really, really athletic, really, really good arms, maybe not being able to command it or maybe not being able to hit. You know what I mean? Or play defense very well just because they're raw. You know what I mean? They're still kind of learning how everything goes. And then you come up to the big leagues and these guys been doing it. Some of these guys been doing, been in the big leagues for 10 years. And other of these guys, you know, are just making their debut. Some guys maybe two, three, four, five, however many you may have. But when you get up here and you understand <laughs> that these guys have all the experience in the world and they've seen the best of the best on a regular basis. And then you have to come in here and you have to hop in the mix and perform. I think that's really huge. And I don't think people understand. <laughs> The difference between a high fastball <laughs> that might be straight at 95, 96. Oh, four in fastball that's going to be 96 with, you know what I mean, some sink, some run, some cut, whatever you may have. So I think making that jump is, is huge. That's that's a really, really tough jump. But I'm seeing the way he's adapting to it, especially being in the locker room with him and how he goes about, you know, 
talking about how he's going to pitch guys and, you know, his thought process on the way he should pitch guys. Either he matured from the start or he picked it up real quick, man. It's, it's, it's one or the other, man. They're definitely, they're definitely doing it up there. Hey, so. Love Lady. You know, pay attention. <laughs> My bad. My boy, Marte. That'd be a squirrel. Jared, that goal over there bit for a reason. What else? Don't go in your head now. Lovely. None of this is getting clipped at all. This is all staying in. <laughs> I'm gonna get sent back to the principal's office. No, you like so. Uh, since both so both of y'all been in the big leagues now for a little bit, have you guys had enough time to kind of have like your oh shit moment of like oh this isn't this isn't Wilmington, this isn't Northwest Arkansas. Like I'm in the big leagues. Like what was that? Have you had that moment yet? Um, I think my oh shit moment was. We were coming back from Detroit, and we're supposed to wear what? we're supposed to wear dress shoes. Love, lady. Ten forty-five. <laughs> Love, it lady. You don't yourself. Hold on, man. These here. Might give me a heart. <laughs> there we go. Finally figured out the mute button. <laughs> um, I think my oh shit moment was we were coming back from Detroit, <clears throat> and. Uh, Mike Matheny had told me that the shoes I was wearing weren't technically dress shoes on the plane. <clears throat> so I was like, all right, cool. So I had a pair of brown shoes that I was going to wear, and they got packed in my bag before I got the opportunity to put the brown shoes on. I came back. I saw them. I was like, all right, cool. I put my brown shoes on. Went to take a shower. came back. My bag was gone. My shoes were gone. But all I had were the shoes that I wore to the park that day. So I'm like, all right. Maybe he won't see me. <laughs> put these on and just like creep to the back of the plane or something. Man, I didn't even get on the plane yet. And he stopped me and goes, what's on your feet? And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> he he kind of let me have it for a second. It wasn't too, too bad because we were in front of some people. But he was like, I need you to lock it in. And he said it a little bit different way. So <laughs> um, that, was, that was probably my own shit moment. That's, that's probably something I don't think I ever want to experience again. So I think I got it taken care of, man. I don't know if we're ever going to get Love Lady back. Yeah, get Love Lady back. Kick him off the call. Man, these fools clowning in here, man. I got to take care of some business. And they just told me I got a side in 15 minutes. Thanks. Oh, man. All right. Hey, Love Lady, real quick before you got to go, I asked you, I asked Nick about the, what was, have you had your oh shit moment in the league yet? Yeah, absolutely. Whenever I, uh, had a fumble of the ball at first base, covering first base, and then I realized the next hitter up was Mike Trout. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty nice. We go from that, uh, that'll a solo sure. to a two-run homer. Thank God he hit a double play for me, though. That's my boy, Mike Trout. <laughs> go throw your side, man. Go. Lady, you're ridiculous, bro. Hey, <laughs> we'll see you guys, man. Hey, we appreciate it, man. Thank you very Thanks. much. Absolutely. Appreciate Thank it, man. Cole, what's up, baby girl? <laughs> see you guys. All, all of those are staying in for sure. There's hey. a live look from Satellite Camp, folks. Oh, I love it. What else you guys got for me? Uh, okay, seriously, you didn't you didn't tell us who Nick. Who's been the most impressive guy you've seen down there at camp? I'm gonna say Isbell. I think Isbell has been the most impressive player I've seen since spring training started. <laughs> so I I don't know what it is about the kid. He does it all. You know what I mean? He that kid hits and he hits well. Left on left, right on left, don't matter. 
I mean, obviously we all go through our struggles, but like watching how watching his presence in the plate. If I'm in the outfield when he's hitting, I'm like, yeah, I kind of want to get a better look at Isbell Taker's hack right here. You know what I mean? So uh, watching him, watching him go out there and do his thing is, is really, really impressive. And I think the reason Isbell, I think the reason he does so well is because he don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like you, you obviously understand the work you have to put in, and you care a certain amount, and and you know things that happen in the game, you know they kind of they kind of trigger you a little bit different. But like when Izzy gets out, he's like. It's stupid. And then he'll hit, a, and he'll hit a homer and be like, I knew it was coming at some point. You know what I mean? I'm like, dude, this kid is unbelievable. And he, like I said, man, he swings it well. Left, 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 right, left. It doesn't matter. I know when he get in the box, he's going to compete. And I know he's going to hit something hard every single time. I saw like the side-by-side of him when he was in rookie ball in Idaho Falls to now. And that kid's a brick shit house now. <laughs> like, he, it's, hey, it's no he's joke. He's stacked. He's stacked. You know what I mean? He's and we'll weigh in, me and him, me and him are the exact same weight, but he looks way, I'm telling him every time, like, there's no way we're the same weight, because you look way bigger than I do now. So put me on whatever workout program you want. I want to start, I want to look like you. Hey, you, you don't want to take away any of that speed, though. Go ahead, Joel. I said, you want to take away any of that speed, though. You know what's really crazy? The heaviest I've ever been when I was playing uh, with the organization was like 204. And that was the best I've ever felt on a baseball field my really? entire life. Huh. Okay. Yeah, that's about 10 pounds up. I'm at like 194, 195 right now. It's about 10 pounds up, but that's still the best I've ever felt. I felt like I was faster, stronger. I didn't have to do so much to play the game. You know what I mean? I kind of just let my body throw its own weight around. It was nice for a little bit, and then the season started. I dropped back down. But. Yeah, how much weight do you think you lose over any given season? I don't know, anywhere from like anywhere from like 5 to 10 pounds, if I'm like doing my best to stay on top of, you know, eating right, getting some sleep, drinking water, so on and so forth. I know there was a, when I first got to Wilmington, my first little stint in Wilmington, I dropped almost like 15 pounds. And I don't know why, I don't know where it came from. It's probably just me eating bad on the road, truth be told, and staying up till 2 a.m. every night, playing video games and watching TV instead of going to bed at like 10 o'clock like I'm supposed to and getting up in the morning having a good breakfast. so I, I've always wondered about this, and you know, I think LeBron made the comment when he left Miami to go back to Cleveland. He said, you know, I didn't go to college, so me going to Miami was kind of the. He was like, it's the first time I've ever been out of Cleveland, and he, and he kind of compared it to a, you know, any other high school basketball player in the world going to college or any other high school athlete going to college. It's their get they get away, they're away from home, but they get to grow and develop on a college campus with other college kids. If you get you obviously weren't drafted out of high school, but for some of these kids that you play with, they were drafted out of high school, and they go like Prado Melendez. You guys have been working out together for a while now. Mm-hmm. They get drafted <clears throat> out of high school. They go straight into playing, like literally that summer. They graduate high school. They go play professional baseball. They go home and train, and they go right back playing professional baseball. So where you might get a guy like you who you got to go through those struggles early on away from home, in college, around other college kids, with a structure in place that is meant to help you grow through that. Do you think there's, there is, what what do you think that learning curve looks like for some of these younger kids? Like, do you see them mature in front of your eyes where it's pretty clear they understand the business side of things now, they understand what they're here to do, and, and the growing that they go through as they leave high school and now a couple years removed from high school, the maturity that they've kind of gone through over the last few years? I think you definitely do see it, but 
you know, at times you don't see it, in every, see it in everybody. You know what I mean? Some of these guys and the guys that I think that progress, that end up, you know, moving forward, ended up climbing the ladder, you know what I mean, and playing the different levels are the guys who understand that, like, okay, I got some freedom, but I still got to get my work in versus the guys who are like, I got some freedom, I'll play baseball, I got freedom and I'll play baseball. You know what I mean? So some guys are kind of – some guys look at that as, you know, the opportunity to be the really young guy, but you're really, really good. And who doesn't want to be – you know what I mean? Who doesn't want to be in the big leagues at, like, 22, 23 years old? You know, you're still young. So watching these guys progress and watching these guys develop and how they go about their game, even the way that they talk to you, you know what I mean? Even, you know, when you first meet them, they might come in with a joke or they might come in talking a little bit of shit. But now when you meet them or now when you see them in the morning, good morning, how are you, what you do last night, stuff like that. And then they start to talk shit. So at least there's a little bit of conversation in there before the shit talking starts. But, um, but watching these guys, you know, meeting them their first year and then being at the satellite camp with them for a little bit, watch, seeing the difference between now and then, I wouldn't say it's huge, but you definitely see the progress and you definitely understand that these guys are still only 21 years old, 22 years old. So, I'm still four years ahead of them, you know what I mean, in age. And, you know, you kind of understand that. And me being in college, I kind of understood, you know, how much you can change in a two, three, four-year gap, you know, just in terms of personality and how you go about your interactions with people and how you go about, you know, carrying yourself and doing your work when you're supposed to do your work. So watching those guys, honestly, grow up in front of you is kind of nice, you know what I mean? You get to see them come in and be in the same shoes that you were, and then you get to, you know, play alongside them for a little bit. And you see that, you know, they're taking the game serious and they're coming out there and they're taking their bat serious. You know, they're passionate about it and they want to be great. So it's definitely easy to, uh, it's definitely easy to go out there and play alongside them. It's easy to go out there and work with them when you see that they're taking it as serious as you want to take it. Like, I'm curious about your first big league start and just the, the emotions that go into that. Did you know before you got to the, the clubhouse that day that you were going to be on the lineup card? Uh, I found out the night before. Okay. Yeah. So you show. So what was actually to see yourself on that lineup card to hear your name called in the starting lineup? Like, take me through, take us through the emotions of that and what that felt like. Because you were you've been in the big leagues for a little, you know, before that you got in a couple pinch opportunities, a couple pinch runs, but you are starting in center field for the Kansas City Royals. That's a pretty cool feeling, I'm sure. I know it definitely was. And what's weird about it is <clears throat> going out after the going out for the first start, I didn't have any nerves whatsoever. I had a little bit, I had some nerves when, uh, Sano hit me that fly ball to center that looked like it was like three miles in the air and it landed like a centimeter off the center field ball. So, uh, I had some nerves when that went up and I was like, this is the highest fly ball I've ever seen in my entire life. But other than that, you know, seeing my name in the lineup and going out there, I don't think there were any nerves. You know what I mean? The first pitch, I was kind of like, oh, snap, you really out here next to these guys. And I look over and there's Wade and there's Gordo and I'm like, ah, I'm in center field. You know what I mean? That was nuts. It was pretty cool. But after that first pitch, I was like, all right, forget all that. It's time to go to work. And, and I think all the nerves came. <clears throat> I think all the nerves went away, truth be told, after that, uh, pinch run opportunity in Chicago. Somebody pulled me to the side. I ain't gonna say who. Somebody pulled me to the side and they were like, there's not a lot of people in this park, but everybody in here knows that you're about to try to steal second base. So this is where you got to separate yourself from, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you can't, we can't, we can't call you in late game and you be gunshot. We can't call you in and you get thrown out. So we need, to, we need this bag. We need you to get it. And they know you're going out there to try to get it. So what you going to do about it? That was the worst pep talk of all time. I was standing on first base and I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. I got to run. They know I'm running too. What the hell? What the hell? So I, 
I mean, thankfully, <laughs> thankfully it went the, it went my way. Uh, obviously, with you know the work we do, you know beforehand and being able to see pictures on the iPad. Now we didn't have those as well as we did, you know, all the different angles and views. You know how often they throw things, so on and so forth. So, um, thankfully, it went my way, and you know, uh, we almost had a really, really good game out of it too. So, um, that was that was probably the moment that all my nerves went away. I was like, and there's probably nothing more stressful than him telling me that everybody knows that I'm about to be, you know, making a move here. And I like the thing, at least in the minor leagues, nobody ever knew when I was going. I mean, you probably know I was going to run at some point, but you didn't know when. I mean, sixty something bags. You're probably they're probably going to know that you're going to go at some point, right? Probably going to take off at some point, so we should probably just watch them a little bit. But if they're, you know, obviously I hadn't had I had nothing to happen, I hadn't done anything yet, so I was just like, all right, man, just keep a little low profile over here, you know what I mean? Mind your business, ain't nobody going to mess with you. Pick off, pick off, pick off. I'm like, man, come on. Yeah. Do you have the ball from your first big league? Not. Uh, I don't have it personally yet. Uh, I think the team still has it, but when I get it, I told them I'm sending it home to my mom. So awesome! There you go. Doing with it. And, and that was a good game too, because that was on the heels of like a six-game losing streak, and you go and put 13 runs on the Cubs. That was awesome. That was yeah. awesome. That was yeah. such a that was such a good experience, man. I loved it. Yeah, so I'm I'm sitting here in my apartment watching the. I turned on the game like I had just gotten home from work, so like I turned on the game. It was like five nothing or whatever. I'm like. This is different. Okay, cool. And I turned it on. Literally, literally, the first thing I see is your your hit, and I'm like running around my apartment, like losing my mind. Like that's my boy Nick. Let's go. It's nuts, isn't it? Yeah, it's nuts, isn't it? To think, you know. Um, and I was talking. I was talking to a few guys. Uh, came by the house the other day. Just to think, to to think about you being here forever. You know what I mean? Since you're a kid, and then to actually be here. Sometimes you kind of get. I kind of get stuck in that little gap in between, like, am I going to be a big leaguer? Can I be a big leaguer? I want to be a big leaguer to I'm a big leaguer. You kind of in that little mental gap of like, am I really here right now? So like, I still kind of ask myself that all the time. Like, am I really here? Am I still, am I, this is nuts. I'm actually in this position right now. So I think it definitely helps me out a little bit. Definitely makes me want to push a little bit harder. Because now I'm here. Now I want somebody to feel me. You know what I mean? I want somebody to know that I'm here. I don't want to just be here and they'd be like, oh, cool. He's up here. I want somebody to know I'm here. I want somebody to understand that, you know, that I want to be out there, you know, I want to be out there running balls down, all that, stealing bases, getting hit, so on and so forth. So I think getting here, I think it kind of motivated me a little bit more because I don't want to just be here. I want to be here and I want to stay here. You know what I mean? I've had my time in the minor leagues. I want to go back. <clears throat> For sure. I think, you know, I, I, I've mentioned this before on the site a few times that you and Gerard Dyson and Brett Phillips don't, have the same skill sets. Like I wouldn't try to compare the three of you guys as players, but in terms of a lefty bat who's going to play phenomenal defense in the outfield, run like hell in the base pads, and find their way on base enough to be an offensive threat, there is always a spot on a roster for that type of player. Like it doesn't matter if you hit zero. It doesn't matter if you hit 400. There's very few human beings in the world that can run as fast as you can who can track down a fly ball as fast as you can. So, like, the opportunities are always going to be there. But how do you then go about knowing, hey, I might play today. I might not play again until Thursday. I might play two day, two games in a row. I might not then play again until Thursday. But what, is that, what does your approach look like in between those, those appearances where you got to keep yourself ready offensively? Like, you got to be able to get your work in, get a lift in, find a way to keep your bat ready. Meanwhile, at any given point during the game, they might say, Nick, you're on first. Nick, go to second. Nick, you're on the base paths. Mm -hmm. While you're trying to keep everything else right at the same time. Like it adds 
an extra element of work, I would have to think. Uh, it definitely does sometimes, but <clears throat> in the routine of it, I think I'm mentally preparing myself for the game every day, whether I'm in the lineup or not. Um, like I said, they give us a little iPads and we can watch our pitching. So I go through my own little scouting report by myself. What's he probably going to throw me? I watch all his, you know, at-bats against lefties, what he throws guys who are like me, maybe contact guys who can run a little bit. You know, obviously not middle of the order guys. <clears throat> but I tell you, you know, I try to do the same thing every day. I try to game plan the right way. I've been trying to game plan even while I've been here at home and these guys have been on the road in case I see somebody getting further down the road. So we've been in here watching the games on the TV. You know, how are they throwing this guy? What do you think he's going to throw next? And <clears throat> somebody told me that it looked like, not it looked like, but me wondering what he's going to throw next or me trying to think about what he's going to throw next is guessing. So then I kind of took that opportunity to look at myself and go, okay, instead of somebody thinking I'm guessing, I want somebody to think I have an approach. So these last two weeks I've been working on, you know, mentally just what's going to be my approach against this guy? What's going to be my approach against this guy? How am I going to attack, you know, this at that versus this at that versus this at that? So I think in that entire process, <clears throat> whether you are or aren't playing, you start to warm up the same, you start to get your arm loose the same, the same, you know, the same drills in the cage, whatever you feel like gets you ready. And then you go out there and BP and you work on the same things that you've been practicing in the cage before BP. And getting ready for games, you know, they always tell me after the fifth inning, you're hot. You know what I mean? So fifth inning rolls around, the first thing I do is go down to the cage and get my legs loose. Then I go down there and get my arm loose, take a couple swings. By then it's probably like seventh inning. I'm like, all right, I got to get ready to run. So I just do some sprints back and forth in the cages, you know what I mean? And like I said, get my body hot. And I think at that point, but they also give me a heads up too. Hey man, next inning or two innings from now, if so-and-so gets on, you might run. So I need you to be ready. I'm like, all right, cool. So I go get myself warmed up. And at least they kind of give me the opportunity to do that. You know what I mean? Instead of just me sitting down and then them coming over and being like, hey, you're going out. You know what I mean? And throughout watching the game, throughout, you know, hearing what you hear in the dugout, you know, obviously being a part of the team, you kind of get the grasp of like, okay, I might be having to go in pretty soon, which I should probably get used to that. So it's not like I'm just, it's not like I'm just sitting there and they're like, heat, you're in. You know what I mean? They, they kind of give me the opportunity to get my body loose. And, you know, I think I've kind of taken it upon myself to know when I need to have my body loose. <clears throat> Michael, we don't have too much more for you, but I got to talk. We talked a little bit earlier about Fernando Tatis and marketing the game and getting it, the game out there for people. <clears throat> and I don't think anyone does a better job of that right now in baseball than Trevor Bauer. And mm-hmm. I know he just threw a seven inning CG shut piece against the Royals last night. Um, but you know, he still did the K strut and wore his send it shirt, which was just hilarious. But you had the opportunity to do live ABs against him on his YouTube page, you know, out in the desert in Arizona, which was mm-hmm. just a hilarious setup. But what was it like to interact with him? What did you kind of think about him, your experience, you know, just hitting against him? And then what do you think about his ability to, to market the game and should, you know, how other players can follow suit in that regard? First and foremost, I'm going to say how great of a guy Trevor is for one, giving us the opportunity to come out there and see live pitching. And, you know, obviously during the pandemic, but he made sure everybody was safe. Every time we went out there, he brought us waters. He was always appreciative of us coming out there. He'd stop and talk to you for a little bit afterwards. And that's kind of where, like, the jarring between me and him started happening. It was never bad. He would just, you know, he'd be up on the mound while we were doing a live ABs, and he'd be talking to me, and I'd be talking back to him. So he was really cool about the entire thing. And like I said, man, he was appreciative. Every time we finished, it was always, thank you guys for coming. If you guys can come again Wednesday or Sunday, whenever we're going to do it next, you know, I'd be thankful for it. We'll bring more waters. 
They brought out stereo so we could play some music while the whole thing was going on. And, you know, I mean, it was it was kind of cool, especially obviously not making my debut yet. Being able to go out there as a minor leaguer and then face a big leaguer and see how, you know, you kind of stack up against those guys. Uh, Trevor Williams came out from the Pirates one time and he pitched to us as well. Um, I got to meet him through uh, a charity that he has, Niggers uh, <clears throat> in the Desert. So meeting some of these guys and then getting, and getting to go out there and face them and kind of understand who they are as a person. Because I was seeing him for, I don't know, better parts of almost two months, you know what I mean? And and having that opportunity and having the chance to go out there and brand myself along with him and along with other players and him doing that for us, you know what I mean? He didn't have to do that. He could have stayed home and he could have threw a pin to a catcher that's in his organization. Or he could have stayed and threw it to a buddy, but instead he offered us the opportunity to go out there and better ourselves. But some guys were sitting at home on the couch, you know what I mean? So... I think sometimes he rubs people the wrong way with, you know, his sarcasm, with the way that he goes about things. He's pretty blunt. He doesn't care what he says. He doesn't care when he says it. But I think it also takes a certain sense of humor to understand him. I think it takes a certain type of person to be around him, just like it does to take be around anybody. So, um, <clears throat> again, I'm thankful for him. Uh, he's huge. He's definitely been a huge part of this offseason, I guess you could say, and then the pandemic for me, just in terms of, talking to me about, you know, what big league pitchers are looking for, what big league pitchers want to do when they're on the mound, how they want to attack players. Even telling me, even going as far as telling me, you know, how he might attack me in certain situations or how he might come to me in certain situations. So I think he's definitely broadened my game as well as the other guys that went. But he's a class act in my opinion. And <clears throat> he never said a mean word to me. He never said anything rude to me. He's never said anything rude around me. And every time I see him, like I said, it's always appreciative. It's always thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. You guys are the best. We'll see you again next week. We'll see you again in a couple of days. So um, he's definitely been a <clears throat> he's definitely been huge for me uh, this uh, in 2020, I guess you could say, just in terms of baseball. So man, I'm thankful for him. He's a he's a great dude. Yeah, I mean, you see, you see the stuff on Twitter and Twitter is a whole different thing, but then you see him in the live ABs, John having fun, throwing, you know, throwing stuff. Even when someone tags him, you know, pretty good, like you did a couple of times, like he was still laughing about it, having a good time. And then you see him like doing like the Bauer bites where he's having dinner with guys and having conversations about the game at large and the vlogs he's doing during the season. And, you know, just everything that he does, it's just, it's entertaining, but he's marketing himself. He's marketing the game of baseball, which is what we need right now. Um, I think. Almost definitely. I'm, and I think I think the big thing for him was allowing minor league guys to come out there and market themselves and brand themselves a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, I, there were guys from all different levels, triple A all the way down to low A. You know what I mean? Coming out there and taking hats, you're getting to know each other. So you're putting, you're putting guys around each other in an environment. They get to meet new people in an environment. They get to compete in and so on and so forth. But at the same time, he was making sure that everybody was staying away from each other. He was making sure that, you know, nobody was sharing the same thing. Guys couldn't wear the same helmets, so on and so forth. So he was making sure that, you know, everybody was safe. We were, you know, following the rules of social distancing. We weren't allowed to pull up in the same cars and so on and so forth. We had to kind of come at different times. So he kind of scattered things out. But he did a really, really good job of, you know, uh, giving us that opportunity to uh, quarantine. All right. Well, we've already, I think we've already asked you the uh, the baseball history question. So I'm trying to think of, another one here you got like another kind of this like big broad baseball question alex to ask because he's already he's a two-time guest so we can't ask him the same question no i think um 
about all questioned out. Hmm. All right, uh, I'll, we'll go with this one. If you could steal a bag on any catcher ever, who are you doing it? Who are you doing it off? Of? Ooh, I want to do it on Pudge. Okay, or Yachty. One of there those two, Pudge or Yachty. I got to one of the, they got to see me. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and that's just a competitor in me. You might throw me out. You might give me, but I'll, I'll be back. And you you careful what you ask for. You're gonna see Yachty here pretty soon. <laughs> That, and that's cool. And that's cool. If I get the opportunity and they give me the green light, I'm running. I'm, I'm going. And somebody gonna be like, okay, you either throw your bag off of Yachty or Yachty guns you down. He, he did what he was supposed to do, or I did what I was supposed to do. So I'm, I'm excited for stuff like that. You know what I mean? Uh, I got the opportunity during the, during the camp to run against Savi when he came back. And I mean, that's, that's something I've always asked myself. Man, I wonder if I can swap a bag off Savi and whoever pitches. You know what I mean? So. <clears throat> got the opportunity to try that i was safe but they called me out anyways uh i still I, st- I still want the opportunity to do that against other guys so i, I want to face greatness you know what i mean i want to see guys who are going to be sure hall of famers i want to see i want to see all of those guys i want to see how i stack up and you know i want to go out there and give it everything i got against the best of the best so man, just I, competitive in me. man i wish you weren't on the aisle because i think you would probably been in the lineup against bauer and he would have probably tipped you what he was going to throw, and he still would have probably tried. He still would have probably punched your ticket. <laughs> if you want me to be perfectly honest with you, he definitely would have. And <laughs> in the in the back end of that video uh, on the YouTube thing that he's got on his YouTube channel, <clears throat> um, we're just talking. That we're kind of talking trash back and forth to each other. And he's telling me how he's the only one who can get out of Kaufman between the two of us. That's good. I don't want to. Sound too negative on who was hitting next, but last night he was. There's a guy on third with two outs, and Solaire was up, and he looked over. And it was two zero, and he looked over to the, into the on deck circle, and he threw Solaire two more sliders that were not even close. And I don't know what Solaire said to him, or he said to Solaire, but they looked at each other and said something. So Solaire went to first, and then after the next batter made the next out, they were coming off the field, and Solaire said something to him again. Next at bat, he grooved Solaire a fastball right down the middle. And I swear to God, he after Solaire popped it out, I swear to God, he looked at Solaire and said, there you go. Like, it was kind of like, like, like Solaire was knocking him for not throwing him a strike. And he's like, next to bat, you're going to get you one. And, he, and I swear, he told him, he's like, there it was. I was like, I, I tried to give it to him, but I was, I was watching exactly that. He, was like, he punched that out somebody it. with like 94 on the outside corner and did the millionaire strut. And I just died laughing. I was like, this dude, he knows what he's doing, man. Like, he's not only punching tickets, but he's creating clips to build his brand in baseball. Like, it, it he's doing I mean, it all he's together. Definitely, he's definitely backing it up. I can't say yeah. that he's not backing it up. <clears throat> but the yeah. good thing about him is that in, the competitor in him is he knows when he, he knows when he beats you, but he knows when he gets beat. And me and him had kind of been talking a lot of trash all season, you know, you know, when I get the opportunity to make it to the big leagues, I hope I face you because I'm hitting another homer. And he goes, if you do and you don't take your time trotting around the bases, I'm going to call you soft all the way around. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to yell at you the whole way around if you run hard. So just funny stuff like that. Just, I, I mean, he's awesome. And and like I said, man, he gave us the opportunity to go out there and work on our games when he didn't have to. So I'm very thankful for him as a person. All right. I think, okay. Hey, I think that's all we got for it. We've been on here for over an hour. Thank you for time here, Joel. Do what? Yeah, no worries, man. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, make sure, hey, be sure to follow Nick at In Heath We Trust. Keep his Twitter followers up. Let's keep it going. You know, he's the type of dude that baseball needs. So we need to keep keep building that brain a little bit. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. That means a lot.